podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. I don't know if people can ever see what's behind me. That's always the concern that I've left something out there that shouldn't be. But we've got all the important shirts there today. England bought in the £10 oxen sale. Old Combined Nations All-Stars bought for £15 in the sale. Uh, Wakefield's first away shirt in Super League there, which came into possession of mine last week. So, Is this resurgent, Wakefield? Well, we're back now, aren't we? We're back, back, back. We are where are we in the table? 11th. So, so that's exciting. I mean, I'm fully in favour of making it a 14-team Super League because then we'd uh, be three from bottom rather than two. No, four. But you're joint ninth, aren't you? Yeah, with uh, Warrington in crisis and Salford, who aren't, who no one talks about being in crisis, but they're only, you know, it's 40-20 not live. We're very excited because we've got a guest on, an actual international rugby player coming up in a bit. Uh, I'll stick Sean Wayne and Ellery Hanley in as well because I spoke to them and I may as well throw it in there because uh, there was a bit of cross wires with Ellery and I didn't want to correct him because A, he couldn't see me and B, he's Ellery Hanley. I was talking about the 1988 game between Great Britain and the rest of the world, which we won. And of course, Scoey famously didn't get a cap for an Ellery Hanley scored and Captain Britain. But he thought I was talking about Europe versus Oceania in France in 1984, where Europe did not win and got hammered. But it's still a, it's still a story, and it's a clip, so you can hear from Ellery Hanley talking about that in a bit. So has uh, he forgotten about the Whitbread Hall of Fame in Alton? He must have done. I think everyone has. What is it? Is, is it have they knocked it down yet? It's been a while since I've been past there, it, and it was a pub, and it, I think it was a Chinese restaurant at one point. It's Why still would, there, I think, but not, not as the Whitbread Hall. Hall. But that's what that game in 1988 was for, to commemorate the opening of... Uh, something that we still don't have. We don't have a physical Hall of Fame. We're like WWE in that sense, but our Hall of Fame has a bit more credibility about it. A lot more credibility about it, in fact. Um, you, except, had... that we, except that we don't inaugurate anybody into it. Well, no, no, it's been in. Uh, in fact, I was at the last one. That's how long ago it was, pre-lockdown. Are they going to do anything for the World, World Cup year? There were plans, but who, who knows? I mean, COVID altered everything. I don't know. I don't know who goes in next. I don't know, but... Uh... Congratulations to those who went into the Leeds Hall of Fame last week. Did, did you have a good night there, Phil? I'm sure you did. Uh, I mean, it's hard for, for me to say when you're involved in, in trying to organise it. So hopefully everybody did who was there. The, the feedback was, was really good. Um, what I love about nights like that is, is you get to put in two people who would not otherwise have heard each other, would not be mentioned in the same sentence, but who stand on the shoulders of each other. So the first inductee was Stan Satterthwaite who played 332 games at prop in the first great era. And at the same time, Jamie Peacock gets inducted, who played 289 games in the third great era. But without the two of them, you, there's no historical context. Um, and so that, that's what I really like about nights like that, that it, it isn't just fating the modern day player. You know, James Rowe being magnificent that he's, he's broken the appearances record for Super League. But the key phrase there is it, it's for Super League um, and, and it'll never be broken and he deserves to be ranked right up at the very top whenever we talk about the greats of the game in any era. But there has been more rugby than just Super League. And I think, you know, Hall of Fame are there to... You know, so, so everybody who sat in the room would never have heard of Stan Satterthwaite before, um, you know, he, he, his profile was read out. And as it happens, he's, he's a really, really interesting sporting family. You know, his father played for Arsenal. Um, won a championship with Liverpool and scored the first goal Arsenal ever scored in the first division. 
Um, and that's his heritage. He was born in Woolwich because his dad was playing for Arsenal. You can't tell those stories um, in, in a Hall of Fame setting if you don't include that historical element. So I hope the people there enjoyed it. There were, there were 300 people in the room and uh, there was absolute silence while uh, the Hall, Hall of Fame inductees were, were put in. The, the current squad were there and I think they got some benefit out of seeing where they sit in the you know, the pantheon of greatness. And for the young kids, it, it perhaps gives them something to aspire to. So, yeah, I, I, I believe it was a great evening. Good, good stuff. Uh, 454, isn't it, for uh, James Roby, plus games for England and whatever, and cup games and stuff that don't count in Super League. Um, uh, the record, as you say, which will never be broken, much like all these records from the olden days, 928 for Jim Sullivan. Uh, it's a good job the Rugby League Record Keepers Club website is so easy to uh, navigate. But between when they used to play... 1921 and there was a war in between. What's going on? Well, they used to play 48 fixtures a year as a, as a norm. <laughs> so, you know, we, whilst one of the things we will no doubt talk about is, um, is, is the international weekend undermined by the number of fixtures that we play, it's 27 plus some cups. So, you know, for James Roby to be up there, and, you know, 500 and odd, uh, 520 odd, combined appearances and still going and still talking about maybe playing for another year and perhaps even being a you know a world cup pick for Sean Way fantastic you know what whatever accolades he's got the the other thing that i think is great is that James Robert is not a player who would ever accept an accolade but this weekend he had to have some he had to have people coming out saying how great he was he had to have a guard of honor he had to acknowledge after the game that all people wanted to ask him about was breaking this record um, and if for one day he realized the pedestal that everybody but particularly St Helens fans put him on that's great because he, he's just ridiculously modest about his achievements and he got the Man of the Match award, which was uh, wholly predictable. Would have been massively odds-on with the sponsors. But uh, I don't know if he had a good game or not. I know he scored, he scored a try. Yeah, That's good enough, isn't it? Yeah. Look at some of these old records. 22 goals in a game. Um, 2,867 in a career, both by Jim Sullivan. Although uh, Tom Hemingway, I don't want to give him no credit for Blackpool Panthers against Gateshead in the uh, Championship 1 in 2010. So he could have broken that record. 11 tries in a match is the most game by your George West of Hulkster Rovers versus Tickland Rovers. Known as Titch. <laughs> the only thing any of them were uh, thrown out to him wide, I don't know. Um, and of course, the most in the career, Brian Bevan, 796. Not even Martin Afire off of the telly, off of TV's Pointless could get close uh, to that. Uh, another win for St. Helens. Um, against Hull KR, probably Titan, you may think, uh, beforehand, 26-18, but a win, nearly 10,000 there on a Sunday afternoon, which is a rarity for St. Helens to play, or their men to play on a Sunday afternoon. He says correcting himself. But a win is a win, and, you know, they, they remain top. They're not spectacular, but they're still top of the table, and they're four points clear as well, which I don't think I'd realised until I looked at the table. I thought, well, I thought it was a bit close than that, but no, they are clear at the top of the table again. I think the important thing from that game is is not necessarily St Helens. They're dealing with some injuries at the moment, and every club will. And we did we did say that. And clearly, Lewis Dodd, who signed a, a new contract, and that's great news. Um, you know, you know, he he was so influential in those early games of the season that 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 is going to be difficult to to replace him. But um, I think the important thing from that game was it's a resurgence for Hull KR. That there was a there was a worry. You know, 
post Mr Smith's uh, announcement of his departure that the whole thing was falling apart and that they couldn't buy a win and that they, they looked so far off the mark. But um, I, again, just looking at some of the footage that came in from the game and reading the reports and the, the interviews with the respective coaches, um, as you say, not only a lot closer than uh, perhaps many predicted, but a signs there that Hulk are getting back to you know, what, what they're good at and the fact that they've... Um, They've dropped out of the top six. I don't, I don't think should worry them too much. I think they'll be back in the mix. Yeah, they are, aren't they? Because there is that group of themselves, Castleford and Hull, uh, who are there or thereabouts looking to fill those final two places. Big win for Cass away at uh, Toulouse, especially in a very tight game there, 20 points to 14. So certainly a lot of uh, spirit shown by the Tigers to get over the line in that one late try from Mahe Fanua. Obviously not missing Jackson O'Neill at all at uh, Castleford. Have you seen anything you, yet on the telly? Well, I gather you're designated to watch every episode of Love Island. <laughs> it's on the skybox. I've written 400 words already. None of them about him. It's about the history of the programme. But, um, yeah, um, it is what it is. I'm sure Warrington will sign him afterwards because they need him. Because uh, they lost to Wakefield, 30 points to 24. No golden point needed for Wakefield this week. Um, and, and Wakefield, I, I, Wakefield behind until it really mattered. And that is a sign of a team that have got a really good spirit about them. Um, believe in what they're being told and, and are carrying it out. And, and I think, you know, yeah, players are talking about departing and, um, you yeah, know, there was some unrest amongst the fans when it looked like that they might uh, be dragged into a relegation battle. But what Willie, what Willie Poaching particularly and Francis Cummins are doing is, is giving them uh, the tools to be the best they can be and the best they can be um, waited until exactly the right moment and turned over Warrington for the third time this season. And all of the plaudits went to a young winger who got back and made a, a, a match-winning tackle, which, again, it, you know, there's lots of talk about Tom Johnson, where he's going to be playing, how important he's been, what a superstar he is. There's another guy behind him now mm. who might be taking his shirt next year who's just done something very Tom Johnson-esque to, um, to, to save the game. So uh, good luck to him. Louise Murphy, the uh, Louise, uh, Leanne Bennell, rather, of uh, Wakefield. And, of course, playing outside Corey Hall, who, again, he impressed me pre-season. And, I mean, look, we both were at that game at Headingley a few weeks ago, and Wakefield were dreadful. And afterwards, you know, mm. you signed a press conference and Willie Poaching saying this, that, and the other about what's going on and how close they are to a win. And, lo and behold, he knew more than we did because he's close to the thing. And they beat Hall by a point, and then they beat Warrington, who, you know, what we do know is, and you said it after that game, we learned nothing about Leeds from them beating Wakefield. I don't think we learned anything from beating Warrington. We'll come on to them in a moment. But Warrington Wolves, what 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 is happening? Do, do you know what? I don't think any of us really know. Um, what I find really bizarre is that today, out of absolutely nowhere, um, they've just released Billy Magulius, who um, obviously was a somebody had done their research and said he's going to fit into this group, and he's a he's an offloader. He's you know wasn't quite making the Cronulla first team, but his style of play looked really suited to a Daryl Powell type team. Um, he's been there, what? We're 15 games into the season. He hadn't played all of them. I think he missed the first four or five when he was coming over here. They've already decided within that short space of time that somebody has made a grave error of judgment. Now that could be, he hasn't settled over here. His family haven't. So there's loads of reasons why, but, I just think that that's a, that's a sign of a team that um, has issues beyond who the personnel are that are turning out every week. Um, have, having seen them live when when they played Leeds the other week, and um, you know 
everybody was right to extol the performance that Leeds put on. I just saw a group of very talented but totally unconnected individuals. Um, when two of the players go into the crowd after the game, which happened, um, and, and that was only amongst Warrington fans who were disagreeing with themselves. They, they weren't, there was at no point did those fans look like they were going to come to anything like blows. You know, it's just that clearly there was somebody who was aiming some ire at the players. They've just lost at home by 40 points. People are going to. And the, the fans that were at the front who were shaking the hands of the players may even have been those players' family or close friends. So clearly, there was a there was a feeling that um, perhaps it, it you know it it just needed to calm down a little bit. But what it didn't need were two players going into the crowd, which in, in, incentive incentivizes it. And actually, those two players going into the crowd tell you something about something that is happening there that isn't quite right. And um, I don't know what it is. Um, I, I, I suspect that Daryl Powell has found a job that's a um, going to take a lot more working through than perhaps he realised when he got there. He he is the man to do it. And clearly, um, you know, as has been said on many an occasion, you're not going to get rid of 25 players all in one go. There are contracts to honour. There are ways you want to play. There are people that you want to see, um, you know, playing perhaps a different style. It might not be for them. Uh, but there, there are obvious issues at the moment um, at, at Warrington. And uh, the, the danger is not that I don't think they're going to get dragged into any no. kind of relegation battle, but, you know, three or four more results going the wrong way and they're not even making the top six this year. And that, that you know, nobody expected that even if there was going to be a transition under Daryl Powell, that they would not be challenging for the two trophies that, that they're eligible for. And, and they haven't. They've woefully gone out of the first. Uh, brilliant, though, Wakefield played to knock them out. And they're losing touch in the second. Well, the matters is Wakefield won. Uh... And, and that's the important thing from a Wakefield's perspective. Is Darrell Powell there trying to uh, knock down the Warrington squad in, in the way that the demolition job's going to be done on the East End at Wakefield in the next few weeks? That's the, the big question. Wait for lumps of concrete to appear uh, here. Chairs. I'm expecting to see a big chair I, I mean, I did. I, I, I floated the idea, and I, I will, we will see. I, I'm not sure I'll get away with a chair, but... You will in your shed. Surely in your shed. In the shed. I've got a shed. Getting in the shed. Um, which which chair would I want though? Do I want one from the media row where I spent the last twenty years just about on on and off? Or do I want one where I used to sit? There's there's the big question. I want one Get of those both. the people who sit Get in both. front. People who sit in front who shout abuse at Matt Horton. Those people. That's Mrs. Horton, but she's also not. Um, uh, elsewhere. Oh, let's talk about Leeds. They lost to Huddersfield, 30 points to 16, in, in uh, a stadium which was... Ne- what was going on with the, the... Were you there, Phil? Were you there? I was. Did I you was. see the fire? What, what was going on? What I was did. that all about? Well, why we set fireworks off in daylight, I have no idea. Um, it, it obviously has limited spectacle when you can barely see them. Uh, but clearly some of them... You, you know the scrubland behind, uh, behind the ground? Uh, some of them w- went into that area and then smoke started appearing. And there was almost as much interest in the fire brigade being called as there was in uh, Huddersfield's brilliant opening 22 minutes, which effectively won them the game. To quote Danny Baker, I think he said about uh, fights on football pitches on one of his videos. He said only uh, a, a fire at a carpet warehouse has a stronger emotional pull on people. So anytime <laughs> there's any kind of excitement like that, it's, oh, well, it's like pointing at planes and helicopters and things. Uh, but, but a good win for Huddersfield, you know, 
30 points to 16. Jermaine McGilvery celebrating his international retirement with a try. Surprised he wasn't called up for the uh, Combined Nations All-Stars. But um, there you go. Huddersfield win, Leeds lose. Have we Huddersfield, Huddersfield were really impressive. And what, you know, I, I think if there is a scant crumb of consolation for, for Leeds, it's that after the poor showing in the first 20 minutes when they could not get their hands on the ball and Huddersfield were just excellent, absolutely superb in, in what they did and how they did it. Um, once Leeds had settled, um, they actually scored more points than Huddersfield and showed a great deal of spirit. So there's something there for Rowan Smith to build. And he, he, they are not a top four team at the moment, clearly by virtue of the league, because they're, they're not going to beat a top four team at the moment. Um, but I think the what they showed after that first, I think it's 26, 27 minutes when Huddersfield for 22 nil up, there's something to build on there. I, I, I do think they miss Cruz Leeming hugely as well, who pulled out on the afternoon of the game with illness. But by the same token, don't talk about Leeds. Talk about how good Huddersfield are at the moment. They had some players missing. They have gone from the narrowest of defeats in a cup final, which psychologically would be enormous to get over, to go over to Catalan and win there, and then to go back to their home stadium with a with a really decent crowd again on a... Um, uh, you know, a, a Friday night because it wasn't on telly, and I think it's six and a half thousand there, which you know, build incrementally on on what they're doing on the field, off it as well, and to play as well as they did, um, and to reward those home fans that had perhaps been to Spurs and seen them narrowly lose with a convincing home victory, then brilliant. Yeah, Ian, Ian Watson who had to watch it uh, on his own because he was isolated. Um, it was like Marcello Bielsa spying on Derby sitting there with his binoculars uh, behind the posts. Um, they, they have got a real sense of belief about them. And I think it, it's been written a bit on uh, social media. When the season started and, and perhaps even six or seven weeks into the season, we thought, yeah, who, who really is going to stop Saints? Dragons, you know, they're probably the, the nearest. Um, and, and they didn't start the season as well as they could with that defeat at St. Helens. But they've gradually shown that there's there's definitely something that, that they've learned from losing in the grand final last year. We've seen Wigan and what Matty Pete's done. And again, this word culture that he's now brought back into the team, the fact that they've won the cup. You'd say, yeah, you wouldn't rule them out in a, in a one-off. I think you've got to throw Huddersfield into that mix. We have four clubs, any one of whom, as we stand at the halfway point, you could make a case for winning a grand final. And, and the fact that Huddersfield are being talked about in that company is, is a huge credit to Ian Watson and the players there. Five points clear of Hull. I certainly want to back against Huddersfield getting to Old Trafford. I don't know if I back them to win the grand final, but I certainly want back against them getting there. Um, Hull FC, who are below them in the table, that five-point gap, they went to the Catalans and were hammered. 36 points to eight. Um, there was a debate on one of the rugby league forums on the internet this week. Who's got the worst value for money halfbacks? Is it Warrington or is it Hull? Well, you probably say Warrington because they're low in the table, but whatever's happening at Hull, again, they... Much like Lee Radford's mentioned consistency a lot at Castleford, Hull are battling the same issue. Um, eight wins, seven defeats, and obviously losing a big lead at Wakefield last week and losing in Golden Point. They, they were, they're one of these teams who, year in, year out, flatter to deceive, and whatever they do year in, year out, isn't working. Well, until the Wakefield game, I think they'd won five on the trot, so you got the feeling that there was, again, this word momentum that nobody can define uh, was with them. I think they... They've got a great pack. 
and they've got some good backs, uh, one of whom clearly now is not going to be playing for the next 12 weeks. And it, it becomes the, oh, are they a one-man team? And clearly they're not, because <laughs> you can't survive in a, no. with just a one-man team. The, the worry, I think, at Catalan was they just didn't create enough. Um, clearly, they're fit because they've got a lot of big men and it was 40 degrees and they didn't tire. They just didn't create. Um, now, whether that's an issue with their their halfbacks, who knows? I think the, the fact that they, they've signed Jake Truman for next year says they're going to try and rectify that. But uh, I, I think a lot of clubs are going to have some really interesting discussions with some of their players who are coming off contract at the moment because there isn't the same amount of money around anymore. Um, post-COVID, post a lower television deal, um, whilst the salary cap has remained as it is, the clubs just can't spend the salary cap in some in, in some uh, instances where particularly they've got an owner who is bankrolling it. So you look at Hull and you think, are they going to have some issues with retaining the players that they want to play? The, the, you know, one of the... Um, Rumours coming out the other week was that Manu Mao uh, wasn't going to re-sign them. I still think he's got some mileage in him. Um, I'm sure that if they're not re-signing him, it's it's a financial thing. It's it's it, you know it, it's not going to be a um, a form thing. And and if they are bringing in Jake Truman on a relatively large sum, then how does that affect the equilibrium in the dressing where you know some people are being released because uh, the pot isn't big enough anymore? So yeah, interesting times for for Hull. Wigan win away at Salford, which you would have expected, 30 points to 12. I, I have been long of the opinion that Salford may get dragged into it, but the fact that there is now a six-point gap between themselves and Toulouse may well be enough for everyone else above the French side to avoid. I want to talk about the internationals yeah. in a minute, but yeah, it, it, it does seem that everything at the bottom end is pretty much sorted unless Toulouse can put together a run of victories now. I think what we what we spoke about the last time we uh, we talked about to lose is they needed to win some games at home. They needed uh, you know teams flying out there in uh, difficult circumstances, perhaps waking up early on the day of the game and all, all managing all that, and then going out in you know uh, huge temperatures and uh, and and to lose doing what they did to St Helens and picking up. So well, that was the scenario on Sunday. You know, Castleford flew out on the day of the game. It was 40-odd degrees. Toulouse were winning for a fair proportion of that game. But they couldn't get the two points. And I think that's the worry now that they, you know, unless they pick up some wins at home pretty quickly, um, they're already three wins short of three of the teams. It's going to be tough for them. A big win in terms of scoring the championship for Batley over Newcastle, 58-18. Bradford uh, beat Sheffield 30 points to 10 away at the... uh, Olympic Legacy Park, having been hammered by Fev on the telly on the Monday before. Halifax win at Whitehaven, 24-12. Good comeback in terms of uh, witnesses' performances recently under John Keir. 14-4 up at halftime, but somehow lose to the York City Knights, 16-14. Barrow hammered Workington, 58-0. And I think that is Workington done, isn't it? You would suspect. Mind you, they're only uh, three points behind London, who jump out of the relegation zone, having beaten Dewsbury. Big result for them. 26 points to 18. The you just appointed Liam Finn as their head coach. You, from, from what I hear about what he did with the juniors at Wakefield, was probably a good appointment. He should be one of those people who does turn into being a good coach. So obviously thrown in completely at the deep end uh, there at Dewsbury in terms of their league position. But someone who you think if they do drop into League One would be a good appointment. 
My uh, concern at the moment is this: the the recirculation of the rumours about two tens and clubs starting to spend uh, and try and position themselves for what may happen at the end of next year. Um, I think we've seen that you know Keithley have signed Eddie Pettibone and Junior Sow. Um, they're already four points clear at League One, and and clearly they they somebody there is putting in sufficient money to say, look, at the very least, we need to be in the Championship next year. Um, I think the the same is true of sort of Dewsbury and Workington. You know, if they go down into League One, will they come back, um, or will that be the you know almost the death knell for the club? I think for the game, we've spoken about it a hundred times. You know. There is a talent pool within the Broncos that, you know, this victory at Dewsbury this week, which probably is the result of the round, um, done with a lot of juniors again coming through the ranks. But that will all dry up if they were to get relegated. If, if there isn't anything you can aim for, then what do you do? Um, and whilst not wishing to plug in any way whatsoever, the fact that there is a new 4020 out this, uh, this, this very week, um, there is a feature about is there a dearth of talent and what do we need to do to try and stop that and which areas do we need to go to to make sure that kids are playing the game and not lost to it. And in fact, all being well, we'll be speaking to um, a Welsh international in the not too distant future who has travelled that route, you know, you know, probably hasn't been in rugby league for, for more than a year, uh, is already been capped, but um, suddenly there's a, there's a pool of talent there that we didn't have access to and that we have to do the same in the men's game as well as the women's. And whatever people say, London in the South has more access to people um, who might go on and be superstars of the game than some traditional areas do. I know uh, attendance is not the be-all and end-all and they are, uh, you know, whatever they are, but Cornwall got a bigger crowd and they're a team who won zero this year than the three teams who published an attendance in the Championship on Sunday. Obviously, League would have got a bigger crowd yesterday against Fever and they won that big game. Uh, but, you know, Cornwall losing to Keithley, as you'd expect. Keithley probably saying Jack O'Neill, actually, not Warrington. 56-12. Uh, Hunslet beat North Wales. Big win for Hunslet, obviously, because we know mm. North Wales have been going well. 30 points to 22. Oldham beat Midlands 66-0. Bit of a bump down to earth for the Hurricanes. Uh, over a 1,000 as well at Swinton. And well done to them, because that was free on the internet. So there's no reason for anyone to go to that one. But they got over a 1,000 there. Swinton 34. Rochdale 40. Another good result for the Lions. So I think they're the only team we've had on this year who've got on to success. And uh, London Scholars, well, look at that. They've been on this program now. They've won again at West Wales, 38-16. Their social media game at the moment is great. I can't work out who's doing that. But uh, big fans of the scholars. I think he's an Aussie. Must be. Must be. The, the only one thing I would say about League One is that um, if we assume that maybe Keith, they aren't going to be caught and their ambitions now have been well and truly laid out, it looks as though uh, we know who the five clubs in the playoffs are going to be. Mm. Um, I, I don't, you know... It, Oldham perhaps might have a say in that and we, we may well get hate letters from them saying don't rule us out yet. But again, it's taking on a bit of an all too familiar uh, look at the moment. Why did the Combined Nations call it Rangie Chase? He's good again. Uh, in Women's Super League, which kicks off at the same time as the International. What, who comes up with these ideas? Bradford 52, Castnell, Featherson 54, Wakefield 10. These are not results you should have in what should be an even competition. Lee 8, Barrow 14 certainly is. Um, there you go. Um, Ireland beat Italy 36 points to six in Udine. Good result for Ireland. Isn't their first, second international, something like that? So good, good stuff. We'll talk about the other internationals in a moment because we've got to get to some interviews. Uh, in a moment, you'll hear from Sean Wayne and Ellie Hanley because I've got the clips lined up, so you might Ooh. as well hear them anyway. 
Uh, but first, we've been uh, speaking, we've been heading to Wales uh, because they played England in the Women's International. And here's Dual Code International, Ree Parker, speaking to us earlier this afternoon. Well, we're all enthralled on Sunday to see the action from Cross Keys, where England took on Wales in the latest Women's Rugby League Test match. And making her Wales debut, I think I've got this right now, is at Ree Parker. You did make your debut at the weekend, Ree, didn't you? I did, yes. Now, I was reading, you've only just come across rugby league in the last 12 months. Did you expect to be playing for Wales within such a short period of time? <laughs> no. Um, yeah, in the last few months, I um, I went across to a Cardiff Demons open day trial, um, started playing there, um, got involved through that way and, yeah, called up into the Welsh squad um, just a few months later. So, yeah, unexpected, but very grateful. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I found it hard a long, long time ago when I was doing local radio because I would cover rugby union occasionally. But as a rugby league person, I would always be thinking with a rugby league brain. How easy or how difficult is it to transition between the two codes, especially with such a short period of time? Yeah, so I think that's probably been the toughest challenge, just sort of learning the different um, tactics within league that you wouldn't do in union. So that's been the biggest thing to get my head around. Um and I, yeah, I think just the girls have made it very easy. Obviously, the coaches have made it a lot easier to sort of um, sort of stand behind the back line, telling me what sort of decisions they would be making in the right places. And yeah, so it's, it's, it's been a bit of a, a mindset change. Um, I think just working out what to be doing in which stages of the pitch um, has been a big change through league from union as well. Obviously, it's a lot more stop start and a bit more tactical in um just kind of where you're going and where you want to be on the pitch before you start making strikes, things like that. So, yeah. How, how did you find it on, on Sunday? Because it, it was it was an interesting test match to watch. Obviously, England have got lots of experienced players out there, yourself less so, but there wasn't really a massive gap between the two sides. Um, no, and we, we were absolutely buzzing as a squad, obviously, from where the girls were a year ago to where we are now. Um, it was really good that we were fronting up and obviously making better decisions and showing kind of where we've come in the last 12 months. Um, I think there was areas obviously that need improving as always. Um, I think we were really strong in the centres. We need to tighten up a little bit on our outside D. Um, but we're not a million miles away, so that was really promising. And obviously to get over the line and score as well um, puts us in really good stead for next week and obviously going forward. You're already talking like a rugby league player in Dixie and all that kind of thing. If, I'm going to take you back to the first thing that you said. You went to a trial at Cardiff. Why did you go in the first place? What was the appeal and the attraction suddenly of trying your hand at rugby league? Um, I mean, I've played rugby union since I was six. So it's, it's been a long time. Um, I sort of made my way through the pathway there. I've played club rugby regional, obviously went on to represent my country. Um, it's... It's something I think, obviously, there was an opportunity to take. Um, I wanted to give it a go to see if I could sort of transfer my skills over into a different code. Um, and it just it just took off very quickly. So, yeah, I think it, it was good fun. It's a new challenge. It's been um, a new challenge mentally as well, just learning the new game. Obviously, when you've played Union for so long, um, you get quite set in the ways of how you do things and the improvements are probably minimal. Whereas in rugby league, it's been like really good fun learning a new sport learning again obviously new rules things like that so it's been a bit more of a challenge for me which I really enjoy and how did you hear about rugby league and is it because um, as we've been banging on about for far too long the profile of women's sport is really growing no matter what that sport is and and league is playing its part in that yeah absolutely I mean I think if I'm honest I can't remember where I'd 
heard obviously about the trials and things. I probably think it was probably on social media. I'm involved obviously in a lot of um, the, the women that were already involved. Um, I know them quite well. So through word of mouth and obviously through promotions and things. And I thought I'd go and give it a go that way. Um, but yeah, like you've said, I think the women's um, profile in sport is definitely on the rise. And yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the one person who has been uh, put on our pedestal after the performance at the weekend was the fullback, uh, uh, Leanne Burnell. What, what, what was it like seeing all those last-ditch tackles she was making to uh, keep her in the game? Uh, honestly, she, she kept us in that game, like the first half early on as well. I think, like I said, obviously tightening up in little areas in D, um, but she massively helped us out. And I think for her as well, still being relatively quite new to league herself as well, just putting her body on the line for the team, for the badge, um, just lifted everybody, um, made us want to get back, work harder. And obviously I was really pleased that she was able to get over the line and score as well. She's fully deserving of uh, yeah a great performance from her. Obviously, you say you, you've made the switch recently, and, and I guess players like yourself who are learning this new sport can go back to others and say, hey, you need to give this a go because it's quite fun. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I think we've probably already stolen a few from Union that have come across to training at Cardiff Demons especially. Um, I think it's worked out quite nicely in terms of the weather season's finished with Union to then pick up something else to keep people going through the summer. Um I think people really enjoy it and stay. So, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I mean, Phil, Phil remembers uh, in the early 90s when the men, well, in the late 80s and early 90s, when Welsh men came over for the money uh, and, and the challenge, of course, of, of playing rugby league. And, and I guess there's that, that big challenge is there and no World Cup this, this time for Wales, but certainly qualification for the next one is certainly uh, a possibility. Yeah, obviously, that's, that's, that's the goal. That's where we're trying to head to. Um, I think the squad that we've got now and obviously with all the um, the management and the goal, it's all a shared goal. Um, so hitting that World Cup would be amazing. And I think if we carry on, obviously, in making the improvements that we have, we have um, leading off the back of that England game going into the rest of the season now, um, I think we're in really good stead. And obviously the girls can watch the games back. We can make little changes. Um, everyone's really um, keen to improve and obviously put the best put the best of themselves out there and do the badge proud. So that's definitely the goal. That's where we want to be. Um, and as I said, it's a joint, it's a shared mindset, it's a shared goal. So There's a lot of talk around rugby league at the moment about how we don't prize the internationals as much as perhaps other sports do. We don't get the, the same income stream from them, um, that particularly cricket and, and rugby union do. Um, but you're, you're fortunate in the sense that you've got two internationals on consecutive weeks. I mean, how important is that for your development? I, I would say from obviously um, looking at the, the Italian performance um, last week, it's a game you'll win. You'll go in the exact opposite to how you played England rather than the underdogs you'll be. You'll be expected to, to rattle up quite a few points. But it's great to be able to, I would imagine, play one week and, as you say, analyse and go straight back out and do it again. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I mean, also it's a tight turnaround. I'm not sure the girls last year had such a tight turnaround with two games as well. Um, so just making sure we're recovering, making sure the um, analysis is done so that we can go in firing next week. Um, but like you said, it's perfect in terms of we can fix those little things quickly, um, go out and obviously see that it will make an impact. And like you said, hopefully put a lot of points on and come away with the win. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's really good that it's back to back. I think it gives us a a good platform going forwards. 
I guess the difference is even for the coaching staff in briefing you, they know so much about England and clearly even, you know, some of, some, some of the players in your team will have played with those girls last week against Ireland and, and that's it. Does that make it harder or easier, do you think? Yeah, harder in some extent, because obviously you, you don't know which players your other strengths or potentially the weaknesses, which ones you want to aim for. Um, so, yeah, it does make it harder in some sense, but also um, it's quite a nice way that we can focus on ourselves. Um, we don't need to worry about who's who, who they've got on the pitch. We can focus on our own game and try and implement the the wrongs from this weekend going forward um, and try to make sure we're playing in the right areas of the pitch rather than focusing on individual players that Italy may have. So I think it's quite nice in some respects, but again, obviously you don't know who their strengths and weaknesses are, so we're going to have to do a lot of problem solving on the pitch at the time as well. Going into Sunday's game, were you looking at individual England players and trying to stop them, or was it all about the stopping them as a team? Um, I think it was more about the team. Obviously, we know of certain players, obviously they're within their own rights as well, and obviously how they perform. Um I think it was more about a team and what we could do just to show where we've come in the last 12 months rather than focusing on individual players of theirs. Um, obviously, we're aware of where their threats were, so we needed to make sure that we were tightening up in certain areas. Um, but it was very much about us and um, what we could bring going forward and to show where we've come. So, Obviously, you are new to things and, and the Cardiff Demons and, and the Super League South is, is a relatively new competition. But would you like to see more games involving the clubs from that competition and the teams in, in the Super League in the north, so to speak, to, to <laughs> test your arm against the likes of St. Helens and Leeds and, and, and York? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, as you've touched on, it's still a relatively new league. Um, I think a lot of the teams are probably in similar positions where girls have just come across, they're learning the sport. Um, so... I think I've said previously, um, if you want to be the best, you've got to play against the best. So obviously the teams up in the north are fighting in the top positions. That's where we want to be ultimately. And we want to be playing against them and obviously showing how we fare against them. And I guess so, yeah, definitely in the future. It's trying, to, it's trying to make everything a balancing act because as much as obviously we'd like players from Wales and, uh, and all nations to be playing for the top clubs, you aren't getting paid. So he's got, there's got to be some kind of balance in there as well. Yeah, um, I mean, it's hard. It's a commitment. But I think women's sport, especially since since my career started, it's, it's all I've known. It's you do it for the love of it rather than any financial um, gain from it. Um, a lot of the girls obviously full time jobs. We go to training um, and you, you just balance. You just get on with it because you love it. Um, so it's the passion for the sport and the want and the commitment to to do well. Um, hopefully in the future, obviously, that that will be a financial um gain I guess I, I mean I can't see it being professional straight away but I think obviously with the way the union game has gone where everything's becoming a lot more professional now and obviously contracts and players can actually call their job a rugby player um, I think similarly across all of the women's sports and obviously coming into league as well that would be really good to see in the future. And we've spoken to a lot of women players um, about this particular issue and professional can mean different things at different times clearly if there isn't that sponsorship money coming in yet to pay you Professional has to be the kind of backup that you get, you know, the, the training facilities, the physio services, the, 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 ma the management doing video with you, the, maybe even things like the shirt presentations beforehand. How have you found all that? Does that compare between league and union? Um, I think it's unfair to compare them this early on in the league within Wales. 
Um, I think obviously with the union, there's minimum standards and there's a lot more financial support behind them, as you've said, to have the facilities, to have the, the standards that you would expect for professionalism. Um, I think within league, for us at the moment, obviously, there are minimum standards. The girls raise the standards constantly. The coaches do the same. And where possible, obviously, without the financial backing that you would you would want, um, the environment is as professional as it can be. Um, and as I said, the girls turn up with full commitment, having done a full week of, of whatever job they're doing. I mean, I'm a teacher. I'm a primary school teacher. So this term is crazy busy. But you turn up and you almost park that somewhere somewhere else so that you can show full commitment and be as professional as you can to to better yourself and the team and obviously take on as much as you can when you're at training. So you'll be getting the whole school to come along and support you this weekend. And <laughs> just just talking about um, that, um, you, you're at the same venue and there was a great atmosphere. There were there were sufficient people there to to deem it a success as well, I think, in getting that message out there. I guess it's important that you go back to the same venue within a week and, and Cross Keys seem to be a decent place for you where you are at the moment yeah absolutely I mean it was it was lovely it was an it's got quite a nice home feel to it that club anyway so obviously having friends and family being the first game in South Wales um having friends and family being able to come with it being so close um excuse me was was perfect obviously it gave us enough of an atmosphere the home crowd you could hear like every hit that was going in when Leanne scored like honestly just the difference the home crowd make is phenomenal um, I know a few of the girls went into the local primary schools leading up to the game last week to sort of spread the word and give tickets and things. Um, so now that one game has been played there, I think going into next week as well, like you said, it's um, it will raise that profile again. I think word of mouth, oh, we did this last weekend and then next week hopefully we'll have even more um, more, more fans there. So, yeah, that would be great. Now, the one area Wales absolutely hammered England on Sunday was the national anthems. I don't, I don't know if any of the England players are going to watch this because some sometimes they do, and I get in trouble. But disgraceful singing from England, not very good at all. <laughs> Wales, obviously, we know the land of song. But you come to against Italy this week, and, and they're not bad at banging out their anthem as well. So it's going to be a great clash even before the game's gone underway. Absolutely. I mean, we're, we're proud of our anthem. We're proud of, of how we sing it. So I'm, I'm glad you've, you've said that. I think England were at a bit of a, a losing start, though. They picked an awful backing track for them with ridiculously high singing. So I'll give them that. But no, absolutely. The Welsh always show, show good heart. And I'm sure they'll do again this weekend. Uh, who were your rugby heroes growing up then in the early part of your career? Oh, gosh. Um, Johnny Wilkinson. He was one of the favourites, yeah. um, just just in terms of the way he did everything and his professionalism. I think I remember reading his autobiography as a teenager and then trying to replicate things that he used to do when I was turning up to training and things. Um, I think also having the, the women around me, because I played at senior level when I was only 17, and a lot of the England women's players at the time were in our local club, so I was playing against them with them, similarly for the Welsh internationals. Um, so I always looked up to them as good role models, obviously, throughout my early career as well. It's just strange because, you know, Phil especially and myself remember when there was a big, well, rivalry is not even the word, but you didn't cross between one or the other. But now there's so many things that happen between the, the two, especially at, at, at this level, that it doesn't seem to be that there is no issue between rugby union and rugby league in, in the women's game at the moment, at least anyway. 
Yeah, no, I, th I think, again, especially over here, because it's still quite in its early stages, it's still quite new. There isn't that rivalry between the league and the union. It's um, it's obviously you can cross across across both of them. And um, yeah, this <laughs> I think because it's still quite new. I think that the rivalry hasn't been built, as I'm sure it probably has across the men's game over the years. Well, I think it's important as well, as you said, that the, the seasons don't overlap too much. So you're not having to choose one or the other. And, and again, uh, that, that's a boom. Um, when the extended squad was announced for, um, for these two games, two sets of twins, was I right in reading somewhere? How, yes. how does that go at training? How on earth do you tell them apart? Um, I had fun when I first started because I don't, I don't know them very well. And obviously I only met them a few months ago. So it was fun trying to work out who is who. Um, they're great all of them um I think even the coaches just call twin twin and then they'll get four people will turn around and answer them um which is it isn't great obviously they need to learn names and things um but they are oh they're good fun um very similar um quite similar in how they play at times but obviously different positions so that makes life a bit easier to work out where they are on the pitch and who's who <laughs> and again in, in terms of um we, we talked about how you would raise the standard maybe at, at club level to to make sure that internationals then have got even more value um i don't know if you've ever seen or heard of state of origin as they do it in australia it's when queensland play new south wales it's it's arguably the pinnacle of um the, the aggression and skill levels that we see in rugby league which we're hoping to replicate in the test arena uh, just as a thought um you were talking about playing in uh, women's Super League South. What if there was a South representative team that played uh, Betfred Super League as it exists in in the North and in a three match series? Do you, is, is that something we perhaps should be looking at? Do you think or trying to create that kind of rivalry? Um, I think it's definitely a step in the right direction. I think in terms of a progression from the club onto their sort of the best of the South to play up in against the North. Um, I think it's definitely a step in the right direction to grow the game in the South. Um, in terms of a rivalry, um, yes, I can imagine anything North and South would be, uh, would be good fun. Um, I think a three test, is it three test series you said? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, I think that would be good. Obviously if it went one apiece, that would bring for an amazing final game as well. So yeah, I think it's definitely a step in the right direction. Obviously, we'd we'd like the South teams to be having enough strength and depth in them to compete individually anyway. But I think while the South is building, I think that would definitely be a um, a good stepping stone. Mindful of taking too much of your time, especially as a, as a teacher. Um, so, final one from me: what what do the, what do your kids think about things at school? Are they aware of your extracurricular activities, so to speak? Yes, they are. Um, I'm very fortunate. I've got 19 boys in my class, most of which play rugby. Um, they play rugby union. So they obviously knew about my background. They think it's hilarious to Google me and see what comes up. Um, and they actually came along. We had our cup final for Flandaff North um, in the stadium just at the end of the season. So I actually had quite a few of them bought tickets and came and watched. So that was really lovely. Um, and actually two of my little girls as well came along on Sunday um, I didn't know they were coming, so that was a really nice surprise to see them in the grounds as well. Um, they love it. I hope I'm an inspiration. I hope that they can see the work that goes behind it. I know the parents certainly do. Um, so I think for the children growing up, especially the boys, they would all love to be playing for Wales. So um, I love the position I'm in and that I can show them what they can do to get there. Um, yeah, oh, they're gorgeous. So hopefully they'll all be here this weekend as well. 
I think that is, you know, the final question to end it on, really. Do you see yourself as a role model? I mean, we again, we've seen going to some of the Women's Super League games that now there is a core of young girls at all the stadia. They all run down and, and want autographs and selfies. They're now even starting to buy shirts and put names on the back of the women players that they so admire. Um, c- can you see that happening for you and for the, this Welsh team? Um, yes, I can. I think for me, I just, I found it a bit bizarre. I think, cause obviously my job as I was, I was their teacher rather than a sporting icon for them. Whereas my teammates, I think it was easier for me to be like, oh my God, this person's coming in. But I didn't see myself as level with them because they knew me as a teacher. So the novelty wasn't there. Um, but yes, definitely. And I think there's at least one or two children from all the previous classes that I've had that have gone on to, to represent in whatever sport they've done. And They'll thank me years later and say, oh, you did this, this or this. Um, so at the time, I don't think I realised, but afterwards, it's really lovely when you get those comments um, just in terms of inspiring them or being a role model. Um, yeah, so hopefully hopefully these guys do too. <laughs> Excellent. Arie, thank you very much for your time. It is much appreciated. Best of luck for the match against Italy on, on Sunday. Is, is it Sunday? Sunday coming, yeah. Make sure I get the right date. That's good. Uh, best luck for the singing and the rugby. And uh, fingers crossed we see more from Wales uh, in the very near future. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. <laughs> no problem at all. Thank you very much for your time. That was brilliant. Thank you. Yeah, it, it was it was Oceana. Uh, the Oceana. I think it was in France, actually. Well, it's uh, as you said, it, it was... Um, some moons ago, and uh, look, it was it was brilliant. I, I, I remember um, um, playing in that particular game, and, uh, and and obviously the Wally Lewis and all the rest of the boys who played in that team. I mean, um, we, we we really got turned over that particular game, and uh, but we learned some very good lessons and everything. And I learned a lot of lessons as an individual player, um, but to be so grateful to be playing with so many wonderful players and um, who I was able to rub shoulders with and uh, and, and share an 80 minutes with as well. Um, but the, the memory of the, the loss always stays with me as it does with every loss I've had in, in, in my career and everything. And I can tell you now to this day, I still dislike that loss. You uh, played for Yorkshire as well under a, a great man in, in Peter Fox, obviously a, a great coach and a legendary name in the sport. We're in the middle of origin season and, and it is that time of year where everyone talks about the return of Yorkshire Lancashire. But with what you've said already, I guess you see this as a, a much better tool for the for the England coach in, in picking his international side. No question about it. I think he, it gives them a pep up, all the players. They understand um, what's ahead of them and what lies ahead of them in the World Cup. They, they all know that they're going to play well. There's no question about that. And they also know that they're going to be um, they're going to be facing some very stiff challenges. And uh, because, you know, our boys in uh, in our squad and everything, they're not going to roll over. And, um, you know, and I'd be exactly the same in terms of if, if I was my, if I was uh, some years younger and, and I was in this particular squad of the Combined Nations, I can tell you now there's no way I'm going to be turning up just to be um, giving just an England uh, a run out. I, I'm playing forcefully and, uh, and, and, and having a purpose um, about being in the Combined Nations side. Finally, from me, it's been a while since you've had a a full-time coaching role, not necessarily wanting one in the future, but would you be open to, say, being a consultant at the World Cup coming up? 
Well, if in all honesty, I haven't even given it um, one thought whatsoever. All I've been doing is just concentrating on the, the um, just 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 the concentration on the, the combination side completely. I haven't given that one thought in the slightest. It didn't even cross my mind until you've just said it. Um, but you know, the, the, the thing with me is, I, I listen to everybody, and um, you know, sometimes some people make sense, and sometimes you you, you may disagree with some people. Um, so, look, whatever the future holds, um, you know, I, I'm comfortable either way, yeah, no problem whatsoever. My focus and concentration on is um, the, my 20-man squad here that we've got and, uh, and, and, and obviously dealing with the game what's coming up this weekend. Quick one about your opposite number. It's the first time he's coached in a while. What are you expecting from an Ellery Hanley coached Combined Nations All-Stars this weekend? A team of very competitive a team were what wanted to win. They will play a bit, um, but their desire to win will be very, very high. So we need we need to be on it. We need to be very passionate ourselves, which my team will. Uh, me and Ellery do think very similar about winning. Um, so that's going to lend itself into being a, a very, very intense game on uh, on Saturday. No question. And on the back of that, obviously you played with him and against him. He's one of the, the great names in, in our sport, still a household name. What was he like to play with and against? Yeah, I played with some great players. Unbelievably world-class players. But Ella was the best. Um, he was very, very competitive. His, his desire to win was through the roof. How he trained, um, he's just a really impressive bloke. And I played with Andy Gregg and Andy Platt and Sean Edwards, some great, great players. But Ellery was head and shoulders above. Obviously, he's a strong-minded individual. Would you like him back in the sport on a, a more permanent basis? Yeah, I know. I know there's a lot going on in his, in his life, and I think it was a great move uh, for us to get him to be the coach of the uh, of the All Stars. But um, I know he has a lot a lot going on. Um, whether he's got time to delve into coaching full time, I'm not sure. But it would be great if he did. Far too many positively speaking people on this program, <laughs> especially who speak better than everyone else. And, and Ree Parker, Inclu include, including us, and very much so. Um, played at seven at the weekend, uh, been playing rugby league for less than a year. That, that's, <laughs> that's that's some meteoric run. Obviously, been playing rugby in the generic term for a while, but to step in at seven in your first international and and certainly Wales. We're not outclassed in that game. 32-6 on the scoreline, but I, I England should be winning these games by a lot more. When you take into account the experience on show from England in terms of international caps and just playing at a higher level, they should be out of sight against teams like Wales. And that's no disrespect to Wales. That's all credit to Wales. But I worry about England going into the World Cup. I know you're saying that after a 32-6 win, but it, it, it wasn't convincing for me. Now, I think that's, that is the concern that the last couple of performances that England have put in have been well short of what they'll be coming up against to get, uh, particularly Australia and New Zealand. But one or two of the other um, Southern Hemisphere nations, we know what happened last time they played uh, the PNG Orchids over there. Um, there would be a concern, I think, as you, uh, I know that we'll talk about the meaning and value or otherwise of playing the Combined Nations All-Stars. Um, you're going to have limited games if you're Craig Richard and his team between now and the World Cup. You've got to make the most of those games. You've got to play your best team every time you're out there. You've got to get your best combinations working. If you win by 100-0, you're preparing for the World Cup. This is 
a year where you don't trial, you go with your best. Um, and I think, again, he's now just picked four players to come into the squad um, for the game uh, against France this week. Um, I, I, I don't know if you should be chopping and changing all the time. I just think you've got, you got to say, my top 17 going in, th- this is who's going to play against Brazil if nobody gets injured. Uh, when the World Cup kicks off at the beginning of November. And I'm going to play them together as often as I can. And we're going to get more and more ruthless. And we're not going to be bothered about who we play. We're not going to be bothered about the PR value of whether it's 80 nil or not. We are here to do a job. We are not going to um, you know, make, make it uh, detract in any way from the message that we want to put out, that we are genuine contenders for the World Cup. I think the problem they've got at the moment is they don't seem like that. Um, England will get another chance against France, as mentioned, Phil. As, as mentioned by Phil, there are four new call-ups, all from the Leeds Rhinos. So that's good because they're good. I've seen them. Um, but wasn't Daniel Anderson good off the bench? Oh yeah, she's great, isn't she? You knew Phil. You 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 told us ages ago. Is this program got to have a favourite Leeds prop? Is that is that part <laughs> of our thing now? Now the other one's retired. But you're always you're always a Daniel Anderson fan. So uh, I was, she's from I Wakefield. Was. So you know. Well, there's that, that on her side as well. Double bubble. Um, and as, as I mentioned last week, if you missed last week's show, well done to your wins in successive weeks over Leeds and Helens and Helens. You can't knock that. Uh, their big um, test is now to win something. Well, I would say again that if um, if if we were to give out the woman of steel at the halfway point of the season, there is only one candidate, and yeah. that is Tara Jane Stanley. Well, they don't ask me, and they don't ask you, so it's all right. We can say whatever we want. Um, England's men take on the Combined Nations All-Stars uh, this week. If you listened to that interview a few moments ago, you'll have heard the very leading question from myself to Ellery Hanley about, you know, we're in origin season, everyone talks about Yorkshire Lancashire, you played in that, but you seem to be saying this is a, a much more important test for the for the men. Now, as we said in that interview with Reed Parker, Phil, uh, Betfred Women's Super League North versus South would seem to be a good test trial for all nations, but this is the best we've got at the minute. Um, although, is it? Because <laughs> at the start of uh, Ellery's press conference yesterday, he did mention the fact that it was a lot harder task to put together a squad of players than he perhaps expected. And, you know, the, the Dow Clark in there, of, famously of, of, of England. Uh, lots of Warrington players in this squad, which is amazing because if you're picking players on form, they're not in form. Play, coaches always say that, but they never mean it, do they? I... Um... I think there's two things on this. One is, does the concept have merit? In which case, what do we need to do to give it some kudos? Because at the moment, there's more people pulling out than there are playing. Um, I would preface whatever we think about whether it's a good idea or not with the fact that, again, in World Cup year, England have to play somebody to try and prepare them for the World Cup. I have several, um, but a number of issues. One is, I don't think many people are going to turn up. I don't think they buy into the concept. I think there is an issue as well about um, the cost of living crisis at the moment, the fact that they can see what they deem to be a less than meaningful game on the telly. They don't need to go. And, and the issue about that is that it just won't look very good on Sky. Uh, so that's a concern. I think the other thing is I'm all for a mid-season, week, uh, mid-season international weekend. Uh, but why the hell have we got a different weekend to the one in the Southern Hemisphere? Um, I don't I don't understand that. I don't get that. Um, you know, that theirs is is the week after ours. They have got some really significant in, international games being played. And there's nothing to say that if we weren't allied to them, 
that we couldn't have perhaps had a Tonga come over here. And that would have filled the ground. You know, Tonga playing England would have you know, repeated the semi-final of the 2017 World Cup. All of those great Tongan players, Christian Wolf, obviously, who is their head coach, being based here. Um, that you could sell. An England team that included any of the NRL players that um, Sean Wayne wanted to play because we've got a comparable weekend. I, I don't see why we don't. It's, again, it's a half-assed thing. And then um, if we say that the clubs are genuinely supportive of giving England what they need in the World Cup, why did they have a 27-round season? It's absolutely ridiculous. No wonder there's players injured. There's players being pulled out by their clubs. So, so my laptop crashed. Um, and you've missed a brilliant bit, which I didn't record. Um, in fact, all of it, all of it was brilliant. Uh, but the, be- the best bits are always the bits that don't get recorded. They are. But, uh, you know, stop us in the street and we still won't tell them. Um, we, we, you were mid... Mid flow, so to speak, on the combined nations all stars. There's an image, um, and it, it's not the as, as we say, it, it's not the concept, it's the execution of the concept. And I, I get the feeling sometimes that I've seen it compared this week to the barbarians, but that's a bad comparison because that's a dead concept as well in 2022. Yeah, now and that has a history and tradition behind it, and it was stuck with, and it became a uh, an event in the calendar that players were released for and um, television companies did want uh, the big names playing in. And, and that's what happened. And should pay tribute to Phil Bennett at this stage. He was one of the greatest rugby players I ever saw play in the 1970s. Would have graced rugby league. And there were certainly Leeds and St. Helens were after him throughout that period. And, uh, uh, you know, he, he's just a great player of, of a code that happens to have an oval ball. But yeah, that, that is not um, a fair comparison. Um, the, the other thing I was going to go on and say, um, and I think we said that there is no criticism aimed at any of the players that have been called up for this, whether anybody thinks that they'll play in the World Cup or they're worthy of their place. It, it's almost secondary to the need to be two teams out there. The one thing that I was got frustrated about was the selection of Michael McAloran by England. Um, Michael McAloran has played two World Cups for Ireland. Ireland are in the next World Cup. England have a preponderance of hookers they can choose. In fact, there's two of them in the combined nations all-stars. Whether um, it's Sean Wayne wants Michael McAlum because he's going to play a certain way, he's the nearest he thinks he can be to Josh Hodgson, I don't know. All I'm saying is Michael McAlum should be playing for Ireland. International Rugby League is undermined by not having uh, fixtures where Michael McAlum can play on a regular basis for Ireland. And England, in that respect, are no better than Australia taking Pacific Island nations players. um, And we shouldn't do it. We don't need to do it. If we're serious about wanting an international game um, and we want it to be strong and even across all of the nations that play it, which has value for everybody if we do that, England should not be picking Michael McAlaurin. I mean, I should, probably should have asked this question of Sean Wayne yesterday, shouldn't I? So it is my fault. But if you're picking Michael McAlorum on form, because he said he is, along with James Roby, the form hookers. And obviously, we don't need to see James Roby. And he's retired. And if he's coming back or not, he's, he's irrelevant at this moment in time. If Michael McAlorum is picked on form as the best English qualified hooker in the competition, how do five Warrington players get in the squad and get and the number of them in the Combined Nations All-Stars team as well? Because surely they can't be in form if it's, they are the joint second worst team in Super League and the, not, the, the, the worst English team joint in Super League. 
it's not about form. It's about getting two teams out there that uh, represent those two shirts. And um, as I say, going back to what we were ranting about, well, I, all right, I was ranting about before, um, you know, you, you cannot take this game seriously if the clubs decided they were going to play 27 rounds this year. You cannot take this game as seriously as you should take it if the uh, international windows aren't aligned. Um, so we've got the best of a bad job. There is more of a, a sale in this to the world at large outside rugby league than, say, Yorkshire Lancashire, because at least you can say to people, here is England, the team which will be at the World Cup, which obviously they won't mm-hmm. because it's going to be full of NRL players, but that, they don't know that's so not okay. And the Combined Nations team is an all-star team of players who do not play for England or are not playing for England at this moment in time. So it's probables, probables versus possibles, which is one of Scoey's old uh, theories at this point. It is something you can sell to a public outside of rugby league. And yet we played in Warrington, which you know isn't the easiest place to get to. Again, as you mentioned earlier, the cost of living crisis, if you're going over from Hull, it's going to cost you a fortune in petrol. It's on the telly, so you not bother. You know, is this a game where we can take it to somewhere random like Coventry or wherever? Birmingham? Do, do, do you know what? What I don't understand is I'm more excited about Wales going to Albion playing France and looking at uh, a French team that's full of Catalan and Toulouse players who Toulouse now have played half a season in Super League. They are going to be better opposition France already than we've seen them over the last couple of years. England should be going away to play France and Wales should be playing Scotland who don't seem to have a game. Now you could do all of that again um, you know, if our if our international seasons across the hemispheres aligned, um, there needs to be meaning in these matches. I, I understand why England would perhaps not want to play France when they're going to have to play them in the group stage of the World Cup. That may not be part of Sean Wayne's ideal preparation. But I just think if we're going to be serious about international rugby league, then let's get some fixtures that are reflective of the strength of the respective nations and everybody plays when we've got a window. Um, I think it's brilliant that um, when we do it in, in the Southern Hemisphere in a fortnight's time, the first game of rugby league back in New Zealand after two years won't be the Warriors, it'll be the New Zealand national team playing Tonga. It'll be a hugely colourful occasion that'll be sold out. Again, there's a women's game on as a uh, curtain raiser to that. Fantastic. Um, that's how we should do it. You know, I, I, if the Aussies want to play Origin at this time of year, that's absolutely fine. Uh, but we need to be a lot more serious about international rugby league if people like IMG are going to be able to uh, invest more money into the sport, as we hope they will, because it's the internationals that they can sell. It's not so much the club game. And if you are IMG and you are watching all this, don't listen to people who write letters into the League Express. Don't, don't listen to them. Um, <laughs> 5.45 kickoff. I'm going to miss it because I'm working, uh, which is a shame, but I will catch up with it afterwards because no doubt there'll be extensive highlights on the social media, as there will be for England versus France, which hopefully kicks off just before my break. So I'll be able to watch about half of that game. Um, and people now will be wondering, well, how can you work and be on North Irish Radio at the same time? It's a gift. The gift that keeps on giving. Don't tell the bosses. Um, but yeah, it's, it should be good. Do we know if any of the other internationals are being broadcast? Obviously, the England-France wheelchair internationally is on Sky on Sunday, which obviously, again, will be great. And looking forward to that one again, I'll have to catch up. But France-Wales and Wales-Italy in the women's game, are they being shown anywhere? Are we randomly putting them on the internet at the last minute? France-Wales will be on the BBC Red Button, I am oh, not to believe. Well, that's good, then. 
Um, I mean, they showed the Australian football team the other day, so uh, they'll show any any old stuff to BBC these these days. Um, so that's good because that, as you say, that's a a proper international with caps yeah. and everything. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's a test match. It's a test. It's for world rankings. That's the other thing that we want the world rankings to be meaningful. And everybody knows that Australia being fourth is not representative of their standing on the field. It's representative of the fact they don't play any bleeding games. <laughs> um, but obviously, if we want more games and we want the world rankings to be meaningful, we want the golden boot to be meaningful. We want the World Cup to have buy-in. Then, for goodness' sake, play proper test matches. Um, <laughs> Am I getting carried away? No, 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 I think it's fine. I think it's fine. Because um, that's the kind of thing that the BBC will show is internationals. You know, the, mm. the, um, the Wales-England thing was a, was a headline on their website. There was a story about, um, I think it was New Zealand women played USA in Reunion. That was a story on the BBC website, which I couldn't understand why, because it has no reference to or relevance to Britain. But it makes sense. It's international. I mean, we've got these, you know, football friendlies at the moment that are, I don't know, branded as something else. But because, you know, they are on national television and radio, they're getting a lot of coverage, whether they're meaningful or not. It's because they're internationals. There are some people that will only watch international rugby league they feel, or, or international sport because they feel an instant affinity to it. They're not going to pick a, a club team and watch every week. But you tell them that their international team is on, they'll watch it. I want tickets to the uh, semi-finals of the Women's Football Euro, so I'm, I'm looking forward to going to Milton Ooh. Keynes in July. I mean, I don't Lovely. Know say, but that, that, that's that sound. Just some drinking pop. I don't even drink. But you see, you're looking forward to it because it's an international event. Anthems, as I say, as, as I say, Wales Italy on, on Sunday would be worth going to just for the anthems because we we were out so terribly. <laughs> as, as much as it may have been the RFL that cut me off for criticism of the England team, but the anthems. Which um, which anthem will the Combine Nations sing? Rhetorical question. Yeah. I mean, my, my favourite all-time thing is that they had a vote in Australia about what to change the national anthem to. And it nearly was Waltzy Matilda. That was one of the options. But the person who put that forward is a person who doesn't get named anymore. So uh, <laughs> you, you can work them out yourself, uh, dear listener, by going on Wikipedia. When I had a proper job and you used to click uh, random on Wikipedia, that's the kind of thing I learned. But uh, there you go. So, uh, you know, hopefully everyone though, who does turn up and enjoys a weekend of international rugby, we'd probably recommend <laughs> the two women's games in Wales versus France over the uh, <laughs> England men versus the combined nations, whoever else we can phone up. Well, it, it could be us. If if we yeah, if the phone's been ringing while we've been recording this, we might have got a call up. Day for feet. I've got England. Wait for they've got more combined nations all stars players than. Well, none in the England team. Which well, I think the that, combined nations. But I think that's the other thing that you you've hit on something that's really important there, and it applies as much to Leeds. Leeds have got I think four players in the combined nations, one in England. Who, as as a Leeds fan, going to that game, are you going to be predisposed to support? Not, the, not, not quite the rivalry we were hoping for, I don't think. I'd like to thank the Combined Nations and Ellery Hanley for calling up Mason Leno so he could get off his back. <laughs> uh, I'm keeping an eye on the discipline because I'm looking out for what happened between uh, York and Leeds in Women's Super League last week, but they haven't. Oh, yes. Uh, Have they yeah, not they, done anything yet? No, the, 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 well, the case has been, it's been sent to tribunal, hasn't it? The, the punch. Yes. But, uh, yes. But no, uh, nothing out as of yet. I am one of these Ooh. people who does actually go on to the. Uh, 
the disciplinary bit. Obviously, going into it far too much because it remembers which link I need to go to. But um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm waiting. It's not come out yet, so uh, we'll wait and see. That'll be interesting. But uh, mm-hmm. there you go. So uh, after all that, you know, it's International Week. We're excited for some stuff. We hope it all goes well. We hope it's good. And no one gets injured, so then they've uh, been off the combined nations after two years. Um, but yeah, it's, it's going to be a weekend of rugby league, and, and you know, as we said, as well as the, the the other game to watch will be England versus France on on Sunday at the Manchester Basketball Centre because that could oh, yes. be uh, I don't want to say a preview of the World Cup final, but it could be a preview of the World Cup final. Well, again, they're playing each other in the knowledge that, you know, they're, they're going to be meeting in the World Cup, hopefully at the final stage. It's not stopping the fact that they are two nations of similar ranking and standing, and both of them want to play that game to see where they are in preparation for the World Cup. We should be playing the men's game away in France. Fingers crossed next week we will have someone involved in the uh, wheelchair challenge cup final with us Ooh. on the programme. Um, if they reply to my tweets, uh, well, DMs. Uh, so fingers crossed he does. Uh, so uh, hopefully we shall have a guest live in the studio next week, if not on Zoom. Uh, but wow. we will be back next week, which will be exciting. Um, Phil, thank you. Uh, thanks for putting up with the the terrible uh, laptop here. I'm going to have to get a new one. Fancy up to us. That's okay. I hope um, the rants came out in full. I mean, we'll see uh, how it, it looks because I'm, that's going to be the excitement of editing this programme together now. But <laughs> uh, enjoy the week. Uh, we'll be back next week, hopefully, with some exciting rugby league to talk about. If not, then uh, I don't know what we're going to talk about, but it, we'll find something. This is an addendum because I forgot. Fill the magazines out this week. <laughs> it's funny you should say that. If you're going to the game or even if you're not, get a copy of the magazine. Uh, and if you're going to... If, Warrington on Friday afternoon, Steve Mascod's at the club shop, just randomly. I don't, I, just buy his book. Go, buy yeah, his go, book. To test, go into Tesco's and have the ice cream sundae. I did the other week. It was very nice. Buy Steve's book, buy the magazine, watch the rugby league, come back next week. Professionalism is, is not a word in our diction. Podcast Network.